And Father, we thank you that we have this time to come together to praise your name. Uh, And I just pray that we would now take this moment to dig deeper into your word, to know more about your truths. And I pray that those truths would be revealed to us. Uh, And we just thank you and praise you for this wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. So as uh, Pastor Bill read this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 13. And we're going to be taking a look at the parable of the sower and the seed. And so I'm actually going to read the rest of that passage, starting at verse 10 here. Then the disciples came to him and said, uh, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because in seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they can, uh, their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Here then, well, actually we'll stop there. Because that is the portion of scripture that I am going to be taking a look at. Verses 10 through 17. Uh, And because when you think about the parable of the sower, all three gospels put this little message in between here. Uh, And it's mainly because it fits so well with the parable. So for us to truly understand what this parable is saying, we must understand what Jesus is saying here in this passage as well. And so he's really talking about the sower and the seeds. But let's start from verse 1, 1 through 3. Um, So that same day Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, and then he explains the parables. So first of all, there's a great crowd. Um, As many times with Jesus, he was a popular guy. People liked to hear what he had to say and often didn't like what he had to say at the same time. But at least they liked to hear it. There was a great crowd. So much so that he had to get into a boat. Um, Likely the land was curved up. He was on the boat. When you just think about the acoustics of that, he was able to reach a lot of people with what he was saying. Um, And he sat down, which was customary for teachers at the time, and the people stood. And it's one of those things that I think we're going to bring back. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just messing. Um, So, it's very interesting because it says here, he told them many things in parables. Uh, And when you think about the Gospel of Matthew, he had said a few parables, um, but this is the first time that he extensively teaches in parables, solely in parables. That is how he is teaching. 
at this point in time. Um, so he spoke only in parables here. Um, and he says at the end of the parable, in verse 9, he says, He who has ears, let him hear. And so Jesus, what he's saying there, the implication is that there is more to learn here. That Jesus isn't just saying a bunch of random little stories. That there is deeper truths to be discovered. There is more than meets the surface. And so he's inviting people, those who have ears, those who can understand, understand. There is more to be learned here. And we know that this is a big, kind of pivotal moment where he starts beginning to speak in mainly parables to people because of the question that the disciples ask. We're getting into verse 10 here. Then the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? So the disciples even notice it. They notice a switch. And they're like, all of a sudden, he is speaking in parables. So Jesus, why are you speaking to them in parables? And Jesus' answer is what we're going to be taking a look at today. Jesus' answer is verse 11. And he said to them, To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. And that really sums it up pretty well, because there's two reasons, and those two reasons are what we're going to look at today. There's two reasons why he begins to speak to them in parables. The first reason is going to be to reveal the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, to teach his disciples, his followers, the things of the kingdom of God. And the other reason is to conceal the things to others. It has been given to those who believe and it has not been given to those who do not. So it is going to be to reveal and the first one we're going to look at is the word concealed. It is also concealed. That is they do not have the truth. It is that they have not been given these things. And so in this passage in Matthew, he goes to Isaiah 6.10. That's where Jesus quotes from to make his point. And so we're actually going to go there. Isaiah 6. Um, 6.9-10 is what Jesus quotes. Um, but before that, we're going to do a little bit of context. Because here, Isaiah is giving... A message of judgment because of Israel's sins. And so we see this in Isaiah 5, 20 through 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. And then, so we can also go to 24 and 25. Therefore... As the tongue of fire devours the stubble, as, and as grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And so, and if you read, if you read even more of that, you kind of see the sins that Israel 
was committing against the holy God, and therefore there is judgment. And so in 6.1, we see that King Hosea dies. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But the king dies, and it is at this point in time that they are captured by Babylon. Um, they, uh, as part of that judgment, and the nation of Israel goes into dark days. Um, hard times, so to speak. And so, at that point in time, the prophecy was fulfilled by Isaiah. Um, but the thing is, the prophecy is fulfilled in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament with Jesus. So Jesus was talking to those people who mirrored those in the Old Testament. And he points that out to them. Um, and you don't have to turn there just yet, but Isaiah or Matthew 13, 14, he says, Isaiah is fulfilled in this. And he's talking to them. And that fulfilled is um, translated as well as being filled up um, or being fulfilled. That is, currently, it is happening at this very moment. Isaiah is being fulfilled here and now. The exile was only part of the fulfillment. The fullness of that is realized at this moment in time with Jesus Christ and the rejection of him, as we will see. And when you think about it, I was looking at Isaiah and I was looking at um, Matthew and you can see a lot of similarities. When you think of the Pharisees, were they not those who in Isaiah 5.21 who were wise in their own eyes? Or verse 24, they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts. Jesus was the law. And they have despised the word, verse 24 as well. And so, getting to that, you really do see it as the fulfillment of this prophecy. And so, you would say, why did they reject Christ? And it's actually brought up in another book. We're going to go to John real quick, because this is kind of cool. John 12. So if you can go to John 12, 40 through 41. And this will sound familiar here in Isaiah 6 to 10 again. He says, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Again, that passage. And then Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed him. But for fear of the Pharisees, They did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that came from man more than the glory that comes from God. How sad is that? Um, But that is the reason. Isaiah sees God's glory. He proclaims God's glory. And they do not see And they only want the glory that comes from man. And so therefore, they rejected. 
again, we say it all the time, but to God and God alone be the glory. We don't want to fall into the realm of giving anything other than God the glory because he alone deserves it. Nothing in this world should compete for the attention that we should give to God, for the glory that we give to God. And so they did not have the truth. Which sounds harsh, um, but the thing we have to realize is they had already rejected the truth, therefore they didn't have it. Um, You could go to Matthew, back in Matthew again. You could go to 9, 33-34, but we're going to look at verse chapter 12, 22. Matthew 12, 22. says, Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to them and he healed them so that the man spoke and saw and all the people were amazed and said can this be the son of David they came directly to the right conclusion they saw this miracle and their first thought was correct could this be the one we're waiting for the son of David the Messiah Then verse 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. See, the people were actually looking. They said, this could be the Messiah. How else could this happen? And the Pharisees had already made up their mind, completely seeing the miracle and completely dismissing it and saying, well, it must be by Beelzebub. That is why he is able to do these things. Um, And you can see Jesus' response to this. um, 26, And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? He uses very logical argument. Satan, why would he ever cast out himself? That doesn't make any sense. It's defeating his whole entire purpose. Um, But the point being here is that When the Pharisees saw Jesus, they had already made up their mind that they didn't like him and they needed to get rid of him, even at this point in time. And the same thing happens in chapter 9, 33 through 34. He casts out a demon and they say, well, it must be by Beelzebub that he does these things. And so it wasn't the first time. And when you look back just a little bit previous to this, Jesus, in return to them rejecting him, rejects them. Look at chapter 11, 20 through 24. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And he says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have uh, remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Jesus was serious about this. 
So they had rejected him, and he in turn looks, says, look at them. Look at yourselves. If I did these things in all these other places that they would have looked at and said, those people are just straight up unclean. They deserve the punishment, is what they would have said, likely. Especially when he relates it to Sodom. They would have been like, how dare you relate me to Sodom? And he says, if, they, if I did in those places what I've done for you, they would have repented long ago, and it would have lasted So Jesus had rejected them because they had rejected him. And the thing is, in seeing, they do not see, and in hearing, they do not hear. That's back in our Matthew 13 passage. And that is a good way to put it. You think about it. You think about all the things that they were seeing happening right in front of them. They clearly saw as we saw, a demon-possessed man all of a sudden be healed miraculously. Have any of you ever seen that? To the point where you can say, yes, he was demon-possessed. Yes, now he is not demon-possessed. That's a miracle in itself. And you think of all the other miracles that they got to see Jesus do, and they said, no, you can't be the Messiah. So they saw, but they didn't see. And they heard, but they didn't hear. They saw the miracles, and they heard his message, and they still rejected him. Therefore, they were rejected. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how they were hardening their hearts against God. Um, And when you say that, my mind automatically went to Pharaoh and For time's sake, we won't go there. But Pharaoh, God says, I'm going to harden his heart. And then you flip into chapter 8, and Pharaoh hardens his own heart against God. And then you flip over to chapter 9, and God hardens his heart as well. And that's kind of what you see with the Pharisees. You see them hardening their own heart against God. And at the same time, you see God himself hardening their hearts as well. Proverbs 29.1 says, He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. That sums up the Pharisees pretty well at this point in time. So, because they rejected him, hardened their hearts to him, again, Jesus rejects them, and he says, lest, Isaiah here, lest they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Very interesting statement. And he's basically saying they've made their choice. Of all the people in the world, those who were with Jesus and us now, We've seen so much. We know so much. We can read so many truths that for them to reject him at this point in time, they were never going to see it. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here. He's basically saying they're digging their own grave. Now they're going to lie in it. And the sad reality is, verse 12 
For the, to the one who has more will be given, and to the one who has an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Even the little things they had are going to be taken away. When I was thinking about this, I kind of thought about it like learning an instrument. And so oftentimes we say, oh yeah, I'm going to learn an instrument. And we learn it for like a week. And then we get busy and whatnot. And we aren't as good as we think we'll be in a week. And we give it up and we don't touch it for a year. And what happens in a year? Do you remember anything that you learned within that week? If you try to pick it up, probably not. Even that little bit of ability that you had is taken away. It's gone. And so the little knowledge that they had is taken away. So that is the sad reality of Jesus' parables. That there are going to be those who hear the parables, such glorious truths that we are learning about, even now, and they're going to not understand any of it. Uh, To them, it is just a bunch of random stories put together, and they don't have any true purpose. So it's concealed, but on the positive now, there are those who it is going to be revealed. So the word revealed... And the thing is, it was a privilege for the disciples to know. Um, And actually, he points this out in verse 16 and 7. He says, Blessed are you. Uh, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Uh, That's just pointing again to all those people that the Israelites loved in the Old Testament. Abraham, Moses... Moses, Isaiah, uh, David, all of them. They longed. They were waiting for the day that Jesus would come. That's all that they were looking for. And he's saying, look, you are privileged. You get to see what those people were longing to see. Uh, And that blessed here uh, means uh, that seeing and hearing, right? That God's favor is resting upon them. They get to see the Messiah. Um, this is something that Peter, you don't have to turn there, Peter 1.10 says, he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person and time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Again, he's saying the same thing. Uh, The prophets who prophesied about the grace to be, um, about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully. They wanted to know. They were searching with their whole heart for the Messiah to come. And here he is to you. Again, it made me think of the psalmist uh, one, 
19, 18, if you were following along with Pastor Bill, you might recognize this. It says, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. And again, wondrous things. What's more wonderful than Jesus Christ himself? So there was a few that saw a part of his glory. As we saw in John 10, you'll notice that Isaiah saw a portion of his glory, but none of them saw the fullness of Jesus Christ. And so they are blessed. Because they did see and they did hear. And they were blessed to be learning the secrets of the kingdom. That, and that's verse 11. In Matthew, the secrets of the kingdom, uh, or mystery in some versions say. Uh, the secret of mystery is a revelation of something previously hidden and unknown. And so it's being revealed to them, not so much like a mystery as in you have to go searching. Uh, you can think of like a mystery novel, right, where people have to be searching and looking and finding clues and evidence and all these kind of things. It's more so that it is revealed to them. It is a revelation. Um, And you can think about it as the being given is an important part. To you it has been given to know. Um, Even though it takes, for us nowadays, a little bit of work, we have to read the scriptures, but it is being given to us. That we know the things of God, the secrets to the kingdom. Um, so when you, when I was thinking about this, salvation is a gift of God. We always need to be careful to announce that or proclaim that. We know that. Um, but also, we are continually given as we search the scriptures, as we know the scriptures. God is revealing things to us. Um, through the scriptures, and he is constantly giving us that knowledge. And so the giving doesn't just stop with salvation, it continues. So, the disciples saw, believed, and they understood. They proclaimed that in verse 51, 1351. Jesus answers, have you understood all these things? And they say to him, yes. Yes, we have. So they saw, they believe, and they understood. And yet, the Pharisees saw, rejected, and didn't understand. So my last thing that I really point to here is it was a privilege for the disciples to know and see Jesus. But really, it's a privilege for us at this point in time. Uh, We say it so often, right? All the Old Testament people, they had to look forward and wonder, who is the Christ going to be? Who is the Messiah going to be? Uh, We get to look back and see him and believe. So it's a privilege for us to know. Um, 1 Corinthians 2 really talks about this. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. uh, It says, but it has been written, what no eye has seen nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except for the Spirit of that person which is in him? 
so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And he continues, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually um, discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And he is basically saying that. The big verse here is verse 12, uh, that we might understand the things freely freely given to us by God. Uh, We are taught uh, in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Now, I was just thinking about that. I think I often just take it so much for granted that we have this Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, guiding us through this life and teaching us the things about God. And so the Spirit reveals to us things in Scripture. God is with us to explain, interpret, and imply the word of God. And to know the truth, you must first know God. And you can easily think about this as there are many people, I know unbelievers, who read the scriptures and it just like does not click to them. And I always wondered, how do you read such glorious truths and not understand what they mean? And now I'll probably always think, in seeing they do not see and in hearing they do not hear. They just can't understand it. So, obviously, we will pray for those people. Uh, Because ultimately, it should break our hearts to see those people who have read the truths, who have heard those truths and not uh, accepted them. Uh, And it should also make you grateful that God has given you the understanding, the spirit, the wisdom Um, to be able to understand those truths. So the big thing is don't take God's word for granted. That's what I kind of want you to walk away with. It's simple, but I think we often do. I think far too often, actually. And I was just thinking, do we crave the word of God like we should? Um, Do we study it as I should? And we make so many excuses, and they are just excuses in the end. Too tired... Maybe it's kids are always distracting me. Um, I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. All these things. But the only excuse we have for not knowing the Word of God is ourselves. We need to be zealously seeking God and His truths. And for the one, to the one who has, more will be given in abundance is what Matthew says, or Jesus says here in Matthew. And so be those who are earnestly seeking the truth. Be in your word, knowing the truths, having the Holy Spirit guiding you, teaching you, and applying those truths to your lives. And so it may seem like, well, what does this have to do with the parable? Well, it has everything to do with the parable, as we will find out 
later on in sermons. But when you think about the parable really briefly, Jesus now takes that lesson and he's going to apply that lesson. And it's likely that this 10 through 17 was spoken later on, not exactly at this moment in the parable, that the disciples asked him some point after he was off the boat. Um, But it fits so well with the parable that um, they... Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all put it with the parable. And so he's going to apply that truth. It's the word given. And so you have the sower, which is ultimately Jesus, or any gospel presentation, really. Um, And then you have the seed, which is the word of God. And so that's why he highlights it so much. And then the soil, which is the hearts of man. And so... I'm going to close with Matthew 13:11, right? Um, and he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And so don't take that responsibility, because it is a responsibility. Don't take that responsibility lightly. Read the word, live the word, and spread the word. And with that, why don't we close in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that we have this time to come together to look at your parable, uh, to look at um, the sower and the seed, um, but more so the purpose of the parables um, that you both wanted to conceal to those who had rejected you, uh, but you also wanted to reveal even more truths, uh, the things about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven um, to those who were listening and in return to us as well today, and I just pray that we want to take that responsibility of your word lightly, that we would uh, apply those truths uh, to our life, that we would be searching those truths, and that most importantly, we would be spreading those truths to a world that deeply needs to know the truth of the gospel. And we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.